Blog Talk Radio. My name is Davida Shinsky, and I'm the host of Live Without Limits. And today, we're going to discuss seven things that you need to do right now if you're self-employed. If you work for an independent contractor or you're a freelancer, there are things that you need to know. For instance, through my experiences as an independent contract for multiple businesses, self-employment can get confusing. I recently attended the annual self-employment in the arts conference in Naperville, Illinois. Speakers at the conference outlined various tips and tricks to succeed at self-employment through many personal experiences combined with subject matter experts, I have identified these seven things that you need to do if you're self-employed. We are talking about self-employment today because we are dealing with an economy where more business is being done on the internet. And that means even if you have a brick and mortar store, you still need to have a presence on the internet. And you need to understand about digital marketing because digital marketing is exactly how you market a business online. So the first thing you need to do is get an employer identification number or EIN. If you're working in self-employment, or any kind of contractor, consultant, freelancer. Chances are that you constantly have to give out your social security number for tax purposes. For self-employed individuals, that means filing form W-9 and processing 1099s for tax purposes. So what is an EIN number? Every company has a number that's assigned to them by the IRS that whenever you file income tax, even as a self-employed individual, you need an identification number. What is a 1099? When a client pays you in excess of $600, they are required to mail you a completed form that's known as a 1099, which outlines their business information as well as your payment influence information for the past year. What is a, 10, a W-9? A W-9 is a tax form used to share personal information, your name, your address, your social security or EIN number to a client for use on forms such as a 1099. 
it doesn't matter whether you're self-employed or you're working for someone else. You have to file income tax. When you're self-employed, you file income tax quarterly. And that means you have to keep good records. Each one of these documents contain your social security number, the most important form of identification of any U.S. citizen. If this number gets into the wrong hands, your whole identity can be taken from you. As it stands, one in 20 Americans experience identity theft each year, and that number is on the rise. A key way to prevent your identity from being taken is to request an employer identification number or an EIN from the IRS. This number serves as your self-employment business social security number. Instead of giving out your social security number over and over again, you can use your EIN when completing Form W-9. Applying for an EIN is easy. Head to the IRS's website using the link. Below, during normal business hours, answer a few questions about the nature of your work and receive a new EIN. So, what is the number that you should apply for? And why is it important for you to do so? First of all, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, we all need to be aware that if you're self-employed, you file income tax quarterly. That means either you keep good records of what you have coming in and what your expenses are. Now, when you're working from home with your own business, then you have tax breaks because anything that you're using during your work hours, like your lights, or if you have to travel somewhere to meet with someone, keep records of your mileage. And consider this, keep records of what you eat out when you're on a business call because that all becomes part of what you file in your income tax. Now, in this last section, we were talking about how there's a lot of fraud going on. And I can tell you from experience, some of that fraud can be, if you have protection on your computer, you will have companies that will link into those manufacturers' customer service numbers so that they can redirect you if you have something wrong with your computer. And today, it's common practice for corporations, especially support companies for these computer companies to be able to do things remotely. The problem is that you have hackers that have figured out a way to 
get you when you're not paying attention or not aware of what they're doing to call you and say that they are support or that you're owed money. And if you allow them to have access to your computer, they can get a hold of your information. And then what happens is identity theft. But you also have to be aware that many, many banks today, many uh, credit card companies, they have fraud protection because this has become rampant in today's society. So being aware of what's going on, being able to monitor things, this is all part of running a business successfully. Find an accountant. Accurately reporting your income as a self-employed individual is extremely tedious. One can easily mess up reporting and miss out on taxes that could have otherwise been money in your pocket. The best move you can make is to have someone look over your books, assist where needed, and handle all your reporting to the IRS. This will save you lots of time and money down the road. Did you know that self-employed individuals are eligible for SAP IRA, which is a simplified employee pension individual retirement arrangements. And the SEP allows for individuals to contribute usually up to 25% of their yearly income into an IRA that is tax-free. Talk to your accountant about how to take advantage of this to find and if you're eligible. Here's a good reason to, to consider that, because when you're self-employed, you have to look for ways to, and to invest money that will grow for you, that when you get uh, ready to retire, you're not only retiring on the income that you've made and built up over the years, but that you're also, have money coming in from other sources. And one of the ways that people accumulate wealth is to understand how to make investments and make the right investments. And 30, even 40 years ago, this is something that a lot of families who, have, who own businesses never consider. For instance, let me back up and tell you a little story that my father happened to have been a lawyer and he had two children with disabilities. And prior to 1970, there were no laws that guaranteed people with disabilities the right to an education or the right to employment. And he always worried that his children would be taken care of financially. And there was someone who had an office across the hall from him. 
Now they're called financial advisors, but back then they were really nothing more than stockbrokers. And he sat down with the stockbroker and he looked at what were investments that would only grow over time, like Coke, like IBM, and looked for those as investments because long-term growth was what it was about. And yet I have a friend whose father owned a business that he wanted to make investments and his wife said no. So he went along with her. Well, now he's gone. The, the wife is at her end of, of life in essence, but she still probably has a few more years of, of time. And yet she's gone through all of those savings and has nothing to leave as an inheritance for her children. So these are things to consider. And now that both my parents are gone, it's three people being supported on that money. And what started out as about a, a quarter or rather three quarters of a million dollars when my mother passed, uh, when my father passed, that my mother lived on the interest and never touched in the investment and literally kept putting money back into the investment, that what happened was it grew and it doubled and nearly tripled so that financially me and my sisters are, don't have to worry about finances or what's going to happen to us. And we have to plan what's going to happen when none of us are gone because None of us had any children, so we have no one to leave that to. So what are we going to do to help someone else who needs help? Another thing to do is track everything. As mentioned above, having an accountant is key to ensuring that, that you are properly report income to the IRS. But in order to calculate your total income, you need to track everything. Come tax season, you'll be expected to report every single thing that you've made money on. If you're not tracking that ahead of time, it can cause a lot of headache come April. I personally use an accountant and PayPal's invoice feature to record hours and invoicing for where they come from. For all other expenses, I use Google Sheets, which and the IFTTT also offers great integration mileage tracking. For a paid solution, I would recommend using QuickBooks Self-Employed. Many accountants are familiar with the program and can easily assist you in tracking your income and expenses. So now we're getting into the nitty gritty. And as you can see, that when it comes to investments and financials, that as long as you're alive, the 
IRS is going to want to see your books. And if they know that you're hiding anything or they suspect it, they have people that can review your records. And remember something, that you have to keep good books today. So here's some other things to think about when it comes to income tax, when you work from home, that there's important write-offs for self-employed individuals. Travel to and from client meetings, which include gas based on the IRS rate, food during work-related meetings, software and hardware purchases, rental expenses, property, equipment, whatever else you need, education expenses, IRAs, especially SEPs. The government dishes out $118 billion in tax refunds a year. But be sure to take advantage of whatever you can. This is so important today is that you can actually lose money if you don't know what it is that you can take off your income tax, especially when you work from home. Brand yourself. Let's face it. While self-employed, you generally don't have the backing of a large corporation to sell yourself. This is why it's critical that you come up with a solid brand that people can recognize you by. There are endless guides online related to the topic of how to develop your personal brand, such as this one. But most self-employed individuals like yourself don't have time for everything that's needed. So here's the five steps that can help you to brand yourself. Define what you do and why. Pick a style that matches you. Use Consistent messaging and identification on all platforms. Market yourself through platforms that match your brand. Adapt to reach your audience. Here's something to think about. With digital marketing, you need a website and you use search engine optimization on that and you use content marketing. Plus, you need to come up with sales letters, so you need some type of script. Your brand can be your colors that you use in your business. Your brand can be your logo. So you have to have some type of logo that stands out and it's different. Let me explain to you that I've become involved with a company called Builderall, which is a digital marketing company. And they're for small business people. Their original logo was just a octopus with the legs like swimming along. 
but because they are now coming out with version 3.0 where they've enhanced everything, they changed the logo slightly. It's still the octopus, but instead of having the legs floating in the water, they are now going sideways so that it shows just how far advanced and speedy everything is. But it's the logo that stays the same, although it can be switched up slightly only because that brand is what they're using. So always remember what you need to do is understand the importance of branding and how whenever someone sees that logo, they will, especially if they see it on everything, then they will come to know that as you and your business, and they will think of you whenever they need you. Choose your outlets. Everyone knows that you can only sell products and services to people who want to buy them. Makes sense? But what is also important is to think about how they will buy them. You could create some beautiful postmodern art, but if you aren't using the outlets that match your audience, you won't sell a thing. Literally, what we're talking about here is to know where your customers hang out. And that means to understand your industry and understand the niche within the industry that you're serving. Because, for instance, if you think that you can serve everyone within an industry, then you're really serving no one. That if you understand it's not just the product itself, but it's who needs your services. For instance, I helped someone put together a business plan. And the business plan was for someone who was selling paraphernalia for marijuana out of her home rather than a physical brick and mortar store so that her overhead was low. Now, if she had set up a website and understood that there are people who are homebound who could use the products, whether they order it through the mail, or she delivers it to them, that's a niche that needed to be filled. But for her to think that everyone and anyone, especially people who go to a retail store to pick these things up, are going to become her customers when she's not letting them know that she's out there, then she's really not fulfilling a niche that needs to be served. So always be aware of the importance of this. So where do people buy is almost as important as what you sell. You can't sell products if people don't buy. Artists might consider Etsy to sell, but so does everyone else. Think about other outlets such as restaurants, events, and installations where your customers frequent. Consultants might do cold calls to sell services. 
think about adding sponsorships, flyers, articles, and events to the list to widen your opportunity pool. Selling is something that we do for our clients, not to our clients, said Zig Ziglar. Sell, sell, sell. So if you truly understand what it is and who you're trying to reach, then you have the best opportunity of truly reaching those people. So understand where your market is and how you are going to reach them and reach them in the right way. Always remember this, that your success depends on you understanding how to market. And if you don't know how to market, to contract with someone else that can help you create the marketing plan that will help you build your business. This is why so many digital marketers who understand how to build websites and to use content marketing and to use search engine optimization and how to create apps. Because today, every business, if you have an app that someone can download on their phone, then that's another tool to help you build and sell your products and services. And you're not limiting yourself. Now that you've got an audience, it's time to sell your products and services. Hit the ground running with the plan uniquely you and stick to it. If it fails, try again until you reach a steady growth. Variation for different audiences is key. One of the most powerful ways that you can make the biggest bang for your buck is to go about selling products that are made for your audience. Sounds simple, right? To do it right, I'll take a little bit of adaptations to what you normally do. I met an artist who made beautiful paintings of human figures. She told me that she only sells one original painting, but then she creates products unique to her audience with a print of that painting on it, such as makeup bags, scarves, phone cases, and so on. This is where she makes most of her profits in, recreation, in recreations and adaptations of her main work to items that people want. So as you can see, you have to be aware of what's going on in the marketplace today, and you need to adapt your business practices and understand how to do the things that make you unique. And we were talking about branding ourselves. So showing us how he was an artist who did one painting a year, but instead of trying to just sell the painting and replicate it, 
She created products like a scarf, a T-shirt, mugs, anything that people would need to use as promotional products for their business that she would sell with that one painting. And in doing so, what was she doing? She was actually creating multiple streams of income and using her artistic ability to create something that people liked and wanted because guess what? If someone bought that t-shirt or bought that scarf and it had that unique painting on it, and they went somewhere and someone else asked them, where did they get it? Well, that became word of mouth advertising for her. And in doing so, what was that doing? That was creating repeat business and new customers. And because she only did one painting a year, that every year, her same customers would come back and do more business with her simply because this meant that for them, they were getting something unique and different that was always being complimented. So remember, you can go to my website, and that website is the number one personalcareercoach.com, and you can get both individual and group coaching, and we can work with you to help you to build a plan on succeeding within your business. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.